Welcome to Leadership and Life with Sandy Giroux. When you think about today's great leaders, do you ever wonder what makes them so great? Is it just the titles they hold? Or could it also be how they behave toward their people? They lead effectively, not because they have a job in their life, but because they bring life to the job. By following their examples, you can do the same. Now, here is your host, Sandy Giroux. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Sandy Giroux, and you've tuned in to Leadership and Life, the place where leaders at every level focus on bringing more life and humanity to the workplace in order to better inspire and engage their teams. Today, our topic of focus is wow place rule number two. A wow place is respectful. Now, before we get into that, I just am very excited to report to you that I'm hearing from my listeners that my show is already helping people do things. One leader told me that she's such a nose-to-the-grindstone person that after my very first show, it reminded her that she needed to maybe talk to her assistant and her team members more often, even when they didn't have a specific business thing to talk about. And so she set up an appointment with her assistant for the very next morning and had a great meeting with her. Another one sent me a whole page worth of notes that she took on one of my other shows. And I'm so excited because that was the intention of the show, to help everybody get immediately actionable ideas and suggestions that they can use to make their team building, their relationships, and their workplaces better, to turn their workplace into a wow place. So, Maybe you want to just focus today on one thing that you take away from this show that you'd like to implement in your life at work, or maybe even just grab a pen and paper and take a few notes. So, but think of something you want to change after this show. With that said, I'd like to start the show with a great quote from Lawrence Stern, who was an Irish novelist and clergyman who lived in the 1700s. And here's what he said. Respect for ourselves guides our morals, but respect for others guides our manners. Oh, I love that. I think this is so important because it feels to me as though we've lost a bit of our civility nowadays. Don't you agree? I mean, there's a lot of discontent in the world, and it's being played out on so many pseudo-anonymous stages that people seem to think that because they're not face-to-face with the people they're spouting off to, that it's okay to say just about anything and in any way, no matter how cruel or vulgar it is. But I think it's just too easy to forget that there are actual human beings on the other end of those comments. So if we just try to put ourselves in their shoes, maybe we can all back down the disrespect and hostility that can come across in these comments and get back into the habit of holding civil conversations and debates, even when we may disagree with the other person. Now, this is so important because these habits overflow into our face-to-face relationships, and they inhibit productive brainstorming sessions at work, problem resolution, and even the innovation and creativity necessary for companies to move forward and grow. So here's my dual philosophy on respect. First, just because I can doesn't mean I should. And second, just because I don't have to 
doesn't mean I shouldn't. Allow me to illustrate. When my daughter was in high school, she came home one day and asked my husband and me if we could host an exchange student in our home for her senior year. Now, we loved that idea, and so we hosted a few students the summer before that school year, just for two or three weeks at a time, and then we got our full-year exchange student in the fall. She came from Japan. Now, her name is Tomomi, and we loved her. She was an incredible addition to our family, and she fit right in from day one, and we still, to this day, keep in touch with her and her family, and that was almost 30 years ago. In fact, Tomomi is the only person in the entire world to ever call me mom, because even though I mentioned my daughter, I've never been able to have children of my own, so she's actually my stepdaughter, and she calls me Sandy, and that's okay. We're very close, so she is my daughter, and I love her to death, but Getting back to Tomomi, with whom we also became very close, since my husband, Bruce, and I are her American mom and dad, she calls us mom and dad. Now, we've been to Japan a couple of times, once to visit and tour, and once to attend Tomomi's wedding, which was an unbelievable experience in itself. But through the process of getting to know Tomomi and our other exchange students, I became extremely interested in the Japanese culture and their language. I even studied Japanese language, and that actually helped us get around Japan when we visited. But on our first visit, my Japanese tutor, who was an American who had attended college in Japan, introduced me prior to that to one of his closest friends from college, who was a Japanese man who had gone on to become the high priest of the second oldest temple in Japan. And during my time with my tutor, just before we left for the tour of Japan, the high priest was actually visiting America to do a television show here. And he was coming to Boston, very close to where I lived in Rhode Island at the time. So my tutor invited Bruce and me to join him and his friend, the high priest, for dinner. When this man learned that we were planning a visit to Japan within a couple of weeks, he invited us to visit his temple where he would give us a personal guided tour of the temple and all of their private living areas as well. Talk about unbelievable experiences. (laughs) This was one for the books. So what does this story have to do with respect? Well, let me tell you. In Japanese society, there are many, many different levels of society, and each one is due a different level of respect, so much so that you have to even use different words to convey higher levels of respect when speaking to someone at a higher level than you are. Now, this high priest of the second oldest temple in Japan was at such a high level in their society that there were not many people to whom he had to show respect. Maybe the high priest of the oldest temple in Japan and the royal family. Now, when we met him, we already had a high level of respect for him and his position just because of who he was. But as he brought us on the tour of his temple and we were able to observe the way he treated everyone around him, our respect for him 
went through the roof because he was showing respect and incredible humility to everyone at every level. The way he spoke to them, the way he bowed to them and treated them was highly respectful, even though it wasn't necessary for him to do so. He didn't walk by anyone without greeting them or at least acknowledging them in some way. You see, he also must subscribe to the philosophy that just because he didn't have to didn't mean that he shouldn't. And you could see the genuine respect for him reflected back by everyone that we met. I mean, not just ordinary or obligatory respect for his position, but true respect for the man he was. And that's what we as leaders need to remember, that we can't confuse respect for our position with respect for us as a person. In other words, we can't demand respect based on our position or title, income, power. No, we have to command it through our actions, our words, and our behavior toward others. I mean, let's face it, we can't demand respect anyway. The very act of demanding it makes people not want to respect us because demanding respect implies that it hasn't yet been earned. And we can't think this way. Well, I've spent the last 20 years earning my respect and people should just respect me now as a matter of course. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Respect isn't earned once and then it lasts for life. It's not a one and done situation. And besides, remember this, most of the people we're leading now weren't there all those years ago when we were earning our respect anyway. So we can't fool ourselves into believing that we're entitled to have them respect us just because we've earned respect in the past. True respect is earned and re-earned every single day. Now, the only thing we're entitled to now, really we're entitled to, is benefit of the doubt that we've done enough right in the past to get to the position we're in now. But once we get that benefit of the doubt, we have to continue earning the true respect that inspires others to want to follow us and help us succeed. In fact, I'd like you to do a little exercise for me right now. Start listing in your head the things that you respect in other people. So, are you thinking of some things? I'll bet your list consists of several different traits and behaviors, such as they have honesty, integrity, they keep their promises, they treat others with respect, right? And if you think about what makes you disrespect others, it would be basically all the opposite things from the first list. So think about it. Does anything on your list have anything at all to do with title, position, power, salary? No. It's all about the way people treat others, isn't it? In fact, it's actually all about how the people we interact with would answer the question, how do I make you feel? Do I make you feel smart, valued, respected? Or do I make you feel small, insignificant, sometimes even stupid for suggesting new ideas that you might 
help might um, might help the team or even the entire company succeed so you throw the suggestion out there but then I slam you down for even suggesting something new you see leadership really does involve exactly what Lawrence Stern talked about in that opening quote self-respect guides our morals but respect for others guides our manners in other words how we treat them when they interact with us you know, quite a few years back, I went to a picnic and the topic of politics came up. I know, run, right? Run for the hills, run for your life. Well, naively, I didn't. I voiced a simple opinion and someone who didn't agree with me actually almost spat out her disagreement and then she stood up picked up her beach chair and turned her back on me, refusing to even look at me because she didn't like some show or something I had mentioned, some show on the radio that she didn't like. I can't even remember what it was all about now, but this was a case of someone forgetting their manners just because they disagreed with someone else's opinion. Now, I'm not sure why anyone would think this is acceptable behavior, but it did teach me not to discuss politics with people I don't know or people that I don't know can handle a civil debate. The point is that if we can remember to use our manners, even when someone disagrees with us or when we're surprised by what they have to say, then we can show them the respect they deserve in any situation and in the workplace, that kind of behavior is what inspires people to give their all and help everyone succeed. Now, things have always had the ability to become a little contentious in the workplace because there are so many different people and different personalities, different cultures, all trying to work together, hopefully toward a common goal, but obviously with de- very different approaches because we're all different. But one of the conundrums of life now is that due to the rise of social media and our heightened awareness and frustration with other events going on in the world outside the workplace and some people's absolute obsession with them, we're often finding people are already coming to their workplaces and elsewhere with an already heightened sense of frustration or fear or disgust. And that's permeating our minds and influencing our behaviors because we're pre-frustrated to begin with. So here's another concept I'd like to have you keep in mind as you're dealing with people on a daily basis. And this concept is a big one in my programs, especially my customer service programs, because these representatives are dealing with the public all the time. And let's face it, it's not always pleasant to do so. So I tell them to remember this concept, tabula rasa. That's tabula rasa, which is Latin for blank slate. And the principle is this. We have to try to treat everyone who comes to us as a blank slate. In other words, don't bring the baggage from the previous person that you've dealt with to your interaction with the next one. Here's a quick story to illustrate what I mean. 
a few years back, I was in another city to do a program, and I had to rent a car to get around for a few days because the speaking location was actually too far to take a cab, and I was going to be there several days anyway for a a couple of full-day programs. So anyway, I rented the car and got around, and on the morning that I needed to leave, I returned the car to the rental agency, but I had a splitting migraine that morning and forgot to fill up the gas tank before I brought it back. So I get to the car rental agency, I hand the car over to the person at the return center, you know, where you leave the car, and then I had to drag my bags out of the car, lug them up this hill to get to the building where I needed to check out and pay then wait in line for 15 minutes for my turn to get to the counter. And then I got up to the counter only to hear, oh, I see that you didn't fill up the gas tank. So you have two choices. You can either go and fill it up now. You can just get your car back and then return when the tank is full. Or you can pay, get a load of this. $10 plus per gallon that it needs to fill up the tank plus a $30 convenience fee for us to fill it up for you. Holy cow! That meant it was going to cost me over $100 to fill that gas tank just because of my migraine and my splitting migraine there and and all of the things I needed to do because I forgot to do it before I brought the car back. Oh, Lord. So being ever vigilant for my customers and my own expenses, I was not about to pay this obscene amount of money to have them fill the tank. So I dragged the bags back down the hill to where I dropped off the car. Now, we're just about to take a break, but stay tuned to hear, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, including the shocking response I heard from the car rental representative when I got back to the car and told her what happened. We'll be right back with the rest of that story. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. 
the business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. Hello again. Welcome back. Before the break, I was telling you about my experience at a rental car agency when I had forgotten to fill the gas tank and made the painful decision to lug my bags back to the car so I could get gas and avoid paying a ridiculously high penalty to have them do it. So when I got back to the car and I met back up with the person to whom I had turned it over and I told her what had happened, she said, oh no, I saw that you hadn't filled up the tank and I almost said something to you. But then I said to myself, no, so many people have recently been so nasty with me for just trying to do my job and help them out when they've forgotten to fill the gas tank. They've even yelled at me, told me not to get up in their business, even using the word to tell me I have no business telling them what they should do. So I said, forget it. I'm not telling her anything. That's her problem. I'm so sorry. I should have said something to you then. Wow. She knew the right thing to do and even wanted to do it. But because of all the other people who had treated her badly in the past, she just assumed that I would probably be the same and decided she'd had enough and she let her previous negative experiences stop her from doing the right thing with a new customer. She didn't think about that concept of tabula rasa, leave the baggage from the past in the past. See, I know it's difficult, and no one is perfect, so we'll all stumble at times and actually be that person who causes someone else to say, forget it, I'm not doing that. But if we can just approach each new person as if they are a blank slate with the best of intentions, instead of expecting the worst based on past experience, then we can show each new person the respect due to them which is really what most of us want to do anyway. And then, hey, if they turn out to be a jerk and they don't deserve our respect, well, who cares? At least we've behaved the way we want to behave and the rest is on them. See, we can always then look ourselves in the mirror and be proud of who we are and not let others' bad behavior influence our own behavior and cause us to be less than who we really want to be. And by the way, if you'd like to share any ideas on how to create higher levels of respect and trust in the workplace and you're listening live, I would love to hear from you. The number that you can call in on is 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. 5790, or you can email me, as you heard during the break, at sandy at thewowplace.com and share your ideas with me there. I'd love to use them in a future show. So, 
Call in if you'd like. But here's something else to keep in mind. Sometimes the greatest act of respect we can offer someone else is the unexpected gift of grace when things go wrong. Has anyone ever had a situation where things didn't go your way? (laughs) Oh, no, we've never had that situation, huh, Sandy? Right. And when it happened, though, did you perhaps act a little more human than you wanted to and allow your frustration and disappointment to cause you to behave in a way that wasn't completely consistent with how you wanted to behave? Yep, me too, guilty as charged. Again, we're all human, but I'd like to share a story with you of a friend of mine who had this experience, but then decided to get the guts up to do the right thing and apologize for her human actions and reaction. See, she and her friends had decided to spend a girls' weekend doing all kinds of fun things together. So on the Friday before the weekend, my friend, we'll call her Jody found a murder mystery dinner show scheduled for the upcoming Saturday afternoon. She called the manager and spoke to them to be sure that they could all get tickets, which he assured her they could. So she ordered them and went on her merry way. The next day, Saturday, one of her other friends who lived in Maine drove three hours to Jody's house in New Hampshire. They then drove together three hours to get to a third friend's house in Rhode Island where they spent a wonderful day together. Now, on Sunday, they drove to the murder mystery dinner show only to find out that the show had been canceled. And Jody said to the person at the counter, oh, no, 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 I I just spoke with the manager on Friday and he assured me that we had tickets. Is he here? Get him out here. So... They got the manager out there, and he proceeded to explain to her that the afternoon shows were brand new. They'd always had the evening dinner shows, but the afternoon ones were new. And because they were new, they hadn't built up a big following yet, and they didn't have enough reservations to perform the show. So they'd had to cancel the afternoon show. Well, unfortunately, he had no way of knowing that the number on which he called her back, which was the only one he had, was the number for her cell phone, which she rarely uses. She's one of those unusual individuals who does not spend her life on the cell phone, but she really uses it, so she had never even checked it to see if there were any messages. And she rather forcefully informed him of this fact. You know, I didn't get it, and so, you know, here we are. And he tried to placate them, offering them a free lunch or free tickets to a show in the future, but she was so upset she wouldn't have any of it, and they all walked out. Well, later that night, after she returned home, she began to feel badly about letting her emotions get the best of her. So she decided to email the manager and apologize for her reaction. And here is the email she received back from him. Jody, I have been doing this for over 20 years. And during that time, inevitably, I have run into situations where I've left customers at times unhappy with me or unsatisfied with their experience. Fortunately, those have been rare. But never before have I had the experience of running across someone so incredibly gracious as you have just expressed yourself. 
I have been experiencing some rather difficult personal times lately, and I must say, your email almost literally brought me to tears. I am involved in a fellowship that stresses forgiveness and understanding. Out of this unfortunate situation, you have brightened my day and strengthened my belief in what I try to practice in my life. I don't think nearly as well as you. I truly hope you and your friends can come and see one of our shows on me. I will remember you in my prayers tonight and thank my higher power for putting your graciousness and humility as an example in my life. Wow. I mean, how many life lessons are contained in those few simple sentences? First, you never know what's going on in someone else's life or what they're dealing with. And you also never know how much your kindness and understanding can mean to them. You also never know when something can go wrong. It can happen in a heartbeat and take you completely by surprise. So it's worth taking a moment to think and focus when unexpected things happen before letting your emotions get the best of you. You never know whose day you can make a little brighter with your graciousness and the unexpected gift of grace when things go wrong. And think about what's going on when the situation is reversed too. And we're actually the one who's caused something to go wrong. When it does, we're usually our own worst critics, aren't we? We beat ourselves up mercilessly and usually don't need anyone else to continue to beat us into the ground or act as though the world is ending, especially if we're taking steps to correct it and are already implementing a solution. Do we really need 50 more people to come up to us and point it out? No. So even if it's our responsibility to talk to our people who have had a little mishap, maybe we can just sit back for a second and analyze whether or not something really needs to be said. I mean, do they have it handled? Are they all set? Can we just ask them, hey, listen, I heard what happened. I just want to feel comfortable that you're handling it. Can you tell me what's going on? Rather than, hey, you made a big mistake and you need to do this. Talk to them first and ask them, do you have it handled? Give them the respect that they deserve, especially if they have a great track record with you. Well, you don't have to beat them into the ground about it, but you do need to let them know, hey, it's my job to make sure this is handled. Just talk to me about what you're doing to fix it, right? Analyze how much needs to be said and how you can say it. So look for a way as well to help the other person save face by either commiserating with them and, and saying, hey, <laughs> been there, done that, I'm human, I've made mistakes in the past too, or something similar, just to let them know that we understand we're not unduly upset just because they made a mistake and we have the faith in them that they can go forth and fix it. See, the grace we show in those situations also translates to the level of trust we have in someone else to just get it corrected without a lot of noise and interference from us. If we've hired good people and they're just human and made a mistake, it helps them feel proud too and confident to know that we still trust them. I mean, sure, we expect them to make it right, but we're giving them the autonomy and authority and mostly our faith in them to get it done. 
So here's a great principle to follow. Whenever we're talking or even just thinking about respect, compassion, empathy, humanity, here's the concept. Go first. Just go first. There are two fantastic, and I mean fantastic movies that illustrate this point. The names of the movie are, movies are The Freedom Writers, starring Hilary Swank, and The Ron Clark Story, starring Matthew Perry. Now, if you haven't seen these movies, oh, I highly recommend them, not just for the life lessons I'm talking about today, but just because they show just how much we can accomplish when we put our hearts and our minds to it. But these two movies are about teachers who decide to go into the inner city, into the schools to try to change the outcomes for the students there, which is often that they end up joining a gang, dropping out of school, never finishing at all, and many of them never make it to adulthood at all. Never mind a successful adulthood with a good career that helps them build a meaningful life. But the students in these schools wanted absolutely nothing to do with these teachers. In fact, all they wanted to do was to disrespect the teachers enough to get them to quit their jobs and leave the students alone to mess up their lives any way they wanted to. But these teachers summoned extraordinary courage in the face of active disrespect and decided to respect the students first, earning their respect in the process. You see, someone had to go first, and it wasn't going to be the students. But by keeping their eye on the goal, which was to help these students build a better life for themselves and um and make a meaningful career from what they're starting there, they persisted, earning the students' respect in the process and enabling them as teachers to accomplish their own personal goals to help these students. Now, the same holds true in our workplaces. If we respect our teams enough to let them know that we care about them, as well as our companies and ourselves, we can all accomplish our goals. See, here's the thing. Respect comes in many forms in the workplace. Sometimes it comes in the form of hiring good people and then getting out of their way so they can actually get their jobs done. Refraining from micromanaging and allowing them at least some autonomy to get their jobs done their way. As long as their way is not dangerous or counterproductive, this goes a long way toward earning the respect of the people we hire. And who knows, they may just come up with a new and better way to do things if we just let them go ahead and do it. In fact, in one of my previous careers, one of my assistants when I was a realtor actually helped me learn this lesson. See, I had done monthly marketing postcards and I showed her when she came on the way that I did it, which was just a way I had found to do it and, you know, just did it as a matter of course. But I was very busy. I showed her that way, even though it was a bit slow and cumbersome. But she took the bull by the horns when she saw that my way was slow and cumbersome, and she called the U.S. Postal Service to find a better way to do it, saving herself time and me money 
in the process. Now, I didn't even know that a new way or a different way existed. I had just found something, got it done, and hadn't had the time to investigate other ways. But she thankfully ran with that task. And lo and behold, she taught me something new. But we have to be a little careful not to take that concept of letting them run with it too far which I did one time and learned the hard way that if I didn't at least get somewhat involved, then it looked like I had disengaged, which made her th- the, someone else think that I didn't care or that what I was asking them to do wasn't important or urgent. See, I lost three months of productivity by not checking in on a virtual assistant at one point in my career because of this. And, you know, human nature takes over very often. We can have the most dedicated, committed, excellent people, but if they don't know that we're still engaged, we care about the results, and, you know, a little bit that we're kind of watching. We're looking over their shoulder and making sure they're following the right processes, the right procedures, that they're on top of things, that we're checking to see if they need anything from us. The temptation is to slack off a bit. I know of a company who had a district manager who was always visiting all of their different locations and his people were right on the ball. I mean, right there, creating exceptional results for their district and their entire company. But then that person got promoted to a different position and they brought in a new person. Now, the leadership style of the new person was, even though he had been told, Go out there, visit with them, make yourself visible, be visible in the districts. He didn't do it. And even when he did visit, he didn't ask the questions that would help him know that they were right on top of things. And guess what? The results almost immediately started slipping. Within three to six months, they were falling behind in their sales results, the profitability results, all because this man didn't follow what he had been told to follow and keep in mind human nature, which allows us to slack off when no one's looking. So they eventually replaced him and within three months again with a new person who was right on top of it, results improved immediately. So we'll talk a little more about this concept when we come back from a short break. So far, we've talked about the impact of refraining from micromanaging your people. And now we're talking about avoiding the opposite end of the spectrum, which looks like disengagement on your part. More when we come back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. 
Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. Welcome back. I was just mentioning human nature and the story of the district manager who didn't make his presence known. So the temptation on this normally excellent team that he had in all of his district locations was to just kind of slack off a bit, procrastinate. Oh, we'll get to that later. And then you know what happens when we procrastinate. We never get back to what we intend to get back to because something else takes center stage and drags us away from it. But because he wasn't there looking over their shoulder so to speak, not micromanaging, but letting his presence be known, they kind of slacked off and, hey, you know what? He doesn't care anyway. He's never around. So we have to be careful not to let human nature sabotage our best efforts. And I also mentioned how I lost three months of productivity by not checking in often enough on one of my virtual assistants. I mean, what happened was I had asked her to take on a new project and figure some things out for me that I just didn't have time to do. So I gave her the website of the service I was investigating and asked her to check it out and, you know, report back to me what did she think of it, did she like it, etc. Well, I got busy. And I got busy with other things that were taking center stage. So she was working on other projects, and that was a little on the back burner, but I still wanted it done. Well, when I finally asked her about the project three months later, here's what I heard. She said, well, I I didn't really know what you wanted, and I was confused, and so I I didn't do anything on the project. (laughs) What? She didn't do anything on the project. She never called me to ask me tell me she was confused, ask me what I really wanted. She just ignored it. Now, I know you're probably thinking, why in the world wouldn't she call and ask about it, just like I was thinking? She should have said something if she was confused. But if I'm honest with myself, I have to acknowledge that it was also my fault because I didn't even ask, and especially for three months. Yes, I was swamped. But if I really wanted the project worked on, why didn't I ask her about it instead of just assuming that she was working her way through it and working on it still and then going to report back to me at some point? You know what they say happens when you assume, don't you? I'm not going to tell you that because it's a little bit crass, but if you want to look up the old episode of, oh, I forget what it was. Oh, The Odd Couple. They had a really funny thing on what happens when you assume. I'm sure it's on Google. But anyway, also think about this. 
Dr. Phil would ask, well, how's that working out for you? (laughs) Just assuming. Not very well. But I learned my lesson. It's very easy to assume. So we have to be careful of that. If we want to be the kind of leader who not only gets things done, but also helps our people succeed and feel good about their jobs and continue to ask questions when they need to. So we can't micromanage but we also can't appear to completely disengage either. It's a very delicate balance between allowing them the autonomy to do things their way and letting them know that we still want and need updates, statuses, et cetera, and that we're available for questions that they may have. And on the topic of assuming, I'm reminded of a story I heard in my hometown Many, many years ago, I grew up in Massachusetts in a little town called Seekonk, Massachusetts. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it, but it's a tiny little town, beautiful place to grow up. But there was a very wealthy man who lived in our town, and he owned multiple hotels and restaurants in the area. However, he didn't go around flaunting his wealth through his clothing and outward appearances. He dressed very nondescript, and you would never know he had a lot of money by the way he looked physically and dressed. Well, one day he went to a car dealership to buy a car, a very expensive car, especially for that time, which was around the 1970s. The car he wanted to buy cost $100,000. However, because he didn't look like he had that kind of money, he was ignored by the salespeople on the lot, who just assumed that he was there to daydream or maybe kick the tires, but certainly he wasn't a man with the means to buy an expensive vehicle like that. So they completely ignored him, and after a while, he left. He wasn't about to give his business to someone who couldn't even take the time to greet him and treat him as if he were a valued customer. He went to a different dealership where thankfully for him and for them, he had a completely different experience from those salespeople who afforded him the respect and benefit of the doubt that anyone who chooses to visit a business deserves. And he proceeded to buy the car he wanted. By the way, he paid cash for it, $100,000 cash. But by making the assumption, based solely on his appearance, that he couldn't possibly afford anything, the first dealership made a serious mistake that caused them to lose out on a very large sale at that moment. And who knows how many future purchases by this man and by anyone else he may have been able to refer to them if he had only bought the car from them, the second dealership got all of that business, and he had a family who was buying things, I am sure they were referred to the second dealership, not the first. So let's never forget that respect has implications both in leadership and in customer service, sales, actually everywhere we hope to foster great results. And that story shows us just how easy it is to simply show respect to someone else. It takes nothing away from us, nor does it cost us anything to do. You know, another story that I read online relates the experience of a nursing student whose professor gave her class a pop quiz 
and an incredible life lesson in the pro- in the process. Now, this student was very conscientious, and she had breezed through all the questions until she read the last one, which was, what is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Yeah, that was the last question on the quiz. Now, she thought it must be some kind of a joke, but no, it wasn't. She remembered having seen the cleaning woman several times, She could even describe her. She was tall and dark-haired and in her 50s. But how in the world would this student have known her name unless she asked? So not knowing the answer, she was forced to hand in her paper, leaving the last question blank. Just before the class ended, though, one student asked if the last question would count toward their quiz grade. And the professor said, absolutely. In your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They all deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. In other words, show them respect. Don't act as if they don't exist just because they're not at the same level where you're operating. This nursing student not only took this lesson to heart and never forgot it, but she also went and learned that the cleaning woman's name was Dorothy. I love that story because it reminds us that everyone deserves our respect. So who is it in your world or in your workplace that you need to show respect simply by acknowledging their presence or asking their name or being cordial and courteous to them. Whose self-respect and sense of self-worth can you raise by doing something simple like this? I mean, think about it and try to find new ways to respect everyone at every level of your organization. And here's another very easy way to show respect. I did a brief survey on respect and I asked people to indicate what they considered to be the subtle signs that someone was showing them disrespect. And guess what came up in 93% of the responses? Any guesses in your head? Well, here's what came up 93% of the time. It was not being fully present when someone is talking to you. Boom. That's it. Now, there are various ways they listed to show that someone is not fully present, like answering your phone when someone's talking, or even just looking at it as they're having a conversation with you, or looking around the room at other people during the conversation, or looking away, looking down. Other subtle signs of of disrespect included a lack of eye contact. Now, I know that in certain cultures, such as those in the Far East, direct eye contact is considered to be extremely disrespectful. But here in the States and in most Western cultures, it is a sign of respect and actually a sign of honesty. So maintain good eye contact with the person you're talking to. Don't stare them down, but hold appropriate eye contact. Respect also includes engaging in active listening, you know, making a sound of agreement or saying, I understand, or something similar every once in a while. No one likes talking to a brick wall. So make a sound 
even grunt once in a while. In fact, have you ever been on the phone with someone who is so quiet that you actually interrupt yourself at some point and say, are you still there? <laughs> it's, it's disconcerting thinking you're talking to blank air or to someone who isn't paying enough attention to what you're saying to even acknowledge it and you every once in a while. There are so many easy ways to show respect if we just focus on the little things we can do to be fully present and pay complete attention to the person right in front of us instead of allowing our minds to take us anywhere or everywhere else, whether we're busy or just plain old FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out is kicking in. We have to say, oh, what's that? What's going on in the corner of the room over there? That's FOMO, okay? Once you've finished interacting with the person in front of you, then you can focus on all the other things going around, but don't let it distract you. And if someone is disrespecting people on your team, it's also disrespectful of us as leaders to allow it to continue. Okay, so make sure that you're not showing disrespect and make sure that you're not allowing other people on your team to show disrespect as well. So speaking of respecting everyone on the team and showing respect, that brings us to our final segment of today's show, the portion where we share everyone's common interest and reliance on food. Today's recipe is one of my absolute favorites. Oh, wait, do I say that every time? (laughs) Well, food's such a great topic for me, and that's why it's a favorite topic of most people I know. And according to my Italian roots, I'm going to share with you my recipe for rigotta pie. It's an Italian cheesecake-style dessert, but it's lighter than New York-style cheesecake, but denser than the cheesecakes you often find in the pre-made or frozen sections of the grocery store. Its main ingredient is Ricotta cheese, or as many Americans say it, ricotta cheese. But we say rigotta. It's actually a very simple recipe. It only has a few ingredients, but it creates this sensational dessert that is the pièce de résistance for almost all of our holiday meals. Even if we have another dessert during the holiday, such as pumpkin chiffon pie at Thanksgiving or apple pie or rice pie at Easter, we still include ricotta pie. It's that good. Now, the recipe can be found on my host page under the show links, and you'll see that the recipe makes two pies. But you can just cut it in half if you want to make one. No special alterations need to be made. Just cut everything in half. Now, for the pie shells... If you're a great baker and want to make your own pie crust from scratch, well, have at it. But I absolutely love Pillsbury's ready-to-bake pie crust. They're light and delicious. But I'll tell you, I've tried the generics that even look like the Pillsbury box, and they're usually not as good. They're drier and tougher. So I wouldn't use generics if I were you. But top it off with some delicious, lightly sweetened whipped cream, and you will have an exceptional dessert that everyone will go back for seconds on. Now, I want to tell you about next week before we close out the show. We have a leader who spent 30 years leading exceptional teams at the happiest place on earth. That's right, Disney World, right here in Orlando, Florida. So my friend John Lyle will be here for a great interview to help leaders and team members alike learn how to be more respectful and engage each other. So if you want to email me or ask me and share tips, please feel free to do that. Everything's on my show page. I would love to hear from you. 
I'm Sandy Giroux, and I'm looking forward to having you join us next week on Leadership and Life. Thank you for joining Sandy Giroux for Leadership and Life. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you again next week.